This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, unfortunately, um, bad news to begin this morning, which is the news that um, 32 IDF soldiers have now fallen in battle since uh, the Gaza invasion, the latest to fall was a reserve Sergeant Major Yaakov Ozeri. He was from Kvashmai, 28 years old. Um, there were three other soldiers who were also injured. Um, so things are continue to be dangerous, of course, in Gaza, as we already know. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Gaza. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about what's happening on the streets of Israel. And one of the things that's become so noticeable, aside from all of the posters that have gone up with pictures of those who've been captured in Gaza. And, of course, when we talked about the Shloshim yesterday, the 30 days since the massacre, it's also 30 days that those people have been in captivity in Gaza. Um, and what's quite noticeable are all the yellow ribbons that are appearing everywhere. Every car has got a yellow ribbon attached to it. Every home, every tree, yellow ribbons everywhere across Israel. Um, which, of course, comes from the, the famous song, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree. Mm, um, mm. And this is, um, this is just um, to say, of course, that um, we definitely are looking forward to the hostages coming home, and we hope that they will see the yellow ribbons, Absolutely. and they will know that wow, they're very much loved wow. and, and missed and wanted. Unbelievable. Um, and so... Do, do join in with the yellow yeah. ribbons. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting because there's been, there's been, you know, we've seen it here in Durban. They put it along the beachfront. Uh, they had towels out. We've seen it here at the Nelson Mandela Bridge. We've seen, like, there's been so much of this happening. Uh, the, and, and it's interesting because I was thinking it needed a symbol. And I see now that that is, is, uh, that one is developing and please God. They will see, they, they will all get to see those yellow ribbons. Anthony, what is the currently, what is currently known about the situation in Gaza? What is it looking like? So the first thing that I would like to talk about is the fact that there is still a massive movement of citizens from the northern part of Gaza to the south. And the IDF have created safe corridors to move citizens, civilians from, uh, the, for example, from the Gaza City's Zaytun neighborhood to leave their homes through humanitarian corridors. Um, and the IDF has put um, pamphlets out advising when the corridors will be open. They're open at certain times. And this is the most ironic piece of information that I've come across um, one of the most ironic pieces of information that I've come across um, since this war has broken out. And the, the, the information is uh, comes from Palestinian civilians living in Gaza who are moving 
from the north to the south, as requested by the IDF. And one of them said, the IDF soldiers are shooting, but they're not shooting at us. They are protecting us. The IDF have opened up humanitarian corridors, and they have set up armored vehicles along the Salah al-Din Road, which is the major arterial road which moves from north to south in Gaza. They've set up armored vehicles along this road, and they are protecting the civilians as they move to the south as requested. Why is that? Because Hamas are trying to prevent them from moving. Hamas have even apparently opened fire on some of these Gazan civilians in order to prevent them from uh, evacuating the northern area as requested by the IDF. Apparently, some of these civilians are seen waving white flags just to show that they come in peace, some of them with their hands up. But there's really no need for that because the soldiers are not planning to shoot on those civilians or to attack them. Uh, and on the contrary, the, 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 the idea of soldiers, ironically, are actually creating safe humanitarian corridors for these people to move. So people would say, well, this is a little ironic, right, to move people out of their homes, demand that they evacuate their homes, and then to help them do so, to, to, to accompany them and to create a safe corridor. Why would you want to do that? And, of course, the simple answer is because where they live, where those homes are, is exactly where the uh, military activity is taking place underground in the most part. And so, therefore, in order to save those civilians, they are, have been asked to evacuate those areas, and then the IDF will go in and somehow try to get access to what's under the ground. So this is what the information is that we are hearing from Gaza. There is still a lot of military operation around the area of Gaza City. We understand that Gaza City is really the focal point for where the IDF wishes to get involved mm. and to take down terror infrastructure. There's still a lot of work to be done um, around that area. Um, but that seems currently to be the current situation in Gaza. Of course, um, we did have a barrage of rockets again last night fired towards central Israel. There was some damage done to property, particularly one in Savion where a missile landed on a house in Savion. There was also shrapnel that landed in Rishon Lezion last night. And so there was damage done. Fortunately, no injuries uh, were recorded during the course of that barrage. And people are still asking, how can it be that these barrages of rockets continue to come? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. How, like, it, it, it just doesn't make sense that, that they are still able not just to shoot the odd rocket, that they, there's a barrage of rockets. How? So when you see the pictures coming out of Gaza about where these rocket launchers are located, I think we can then begin to understand. There was a video clip that I saw which showed a place, a hall, that housed a scout troop. Mm -hmm. That was where scouts were held, and on the wall were all kinds of scouting symbols painted, and this was a place that had clearly been damaged by missile fire. And then in the one corner of the room where the scouts usually had their activities, was a rocket launcher buried into the floor pointing outward of that room, pointing outward towards Israel. And you could just see it on the ground with the openings to allow the rockets to be launched from underground through that opening in the room where the scout group had their activities. There was another picture that I saw of a mosque 
with a similar situation with a um, with the openings from underground showing the rocket launchers pointing upward towards the sky from within the mosque. Then there was a further picture that I saw showing a children's uh, play area. And within the play area, an outdoor play area, was also buried in the ground a rocket launch capability from underground. And so these are buried all over the place. They are kind of in the ground. You could literally walk over it and not even realize that you're walking over a rocket launcher because it's like almost looks like a drain in the ground. Mm -hmm. That's what it appears to look like. And they are active underground launching rockets from those areas. So in order to identify those places and to disable those rocket launches is more than just a day or two's work. This is a massive task in order to find all of these things, which, as I say, are kind of buried in the ground, and you can hardly see them. And so we can only really identify them if you happen to come across them by accident or if you realize that a rocket has been launched from there where you can actually trace the source of the rocket fire mm-hmm. and then go there and somehow destroy that. So I think there's a huge amount of work still to be done in order to trace these places, to trace these rocket launches, which seem to be buried in the ground right across everywhere in the Gaza Strip. And no place is off limits. No place is off limits in terms of putting a rocket launcher. I mean, in a youth movement center, in a mosque, in a children's playground area, no area is off limits in terms of where they've uh, hidden these rocket launching capabilities. Absolutely remarkable. Anthony, what's the current situation on the northern border? So the northern border continues to be tense. Um, Again, yesterday, a missile fire from the north and lots of exchange of fire backwards and forwards between IDF uh, troops and uh, Hezbollah operatives or Hamas operatives. And it's very, very difficult to know because there is quite a Hamas presence as well in Lebanon. And there's a certain mix of Hezbollah and Hamas within that southern part of Lebanon. So that continues to be for all intents and purposes, a war zone. And there's some quite interesting discussions that are going on about the situation in the north and whether for Israel this might not present something of an opportunity to really go in and to um, destroy a lot of Hezbollah's capabilities because the the, um, the theory that we understand is that there's something like 250,000 missiles that Hezbollah have, some of them very, very sophisticated, precision-guided missiles that Hezbollah are hiding that are available to Hezbollah to fire towards Israel from southern Lebanon. And this may well be an opportunity for Israel to have the excuse to go in to southern Lebanon and somehow destroy at least some of that capability. And so there is an argument at the moment as to whether we might not wish for the northern border to blow up a little bit, for the IDF to have the opportunity, the the justification to go in and really destroy Hezbollah infrastructure, or whether it might stay in this current situation where what the IDF is able to do is relatively limited. They are not going in and and wholesale destroying um, Hezbollah infrastructure. There is a certain certain, um, destruction being done of uh, missile firing, firing capabilities above the ground, but there's no massive incursion to somehow find the stockpiles and to destroy those stockpiles before they can fly mm, towards mm. Israel. And so there is this debate now as to whether mm. now that Israel's caught up 90% of its reserve army, they're already in place, and now that the northern border has been evacuated of many of its civilians, maybe now's the time for the northern border to blow up a little bit and for Israel to have the justification to really march in 
in and to do some real damage to Hezbollah. That, of course, remains to be seen. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, obviously worth worth uh, following very very closely. The other question I wanted to ask you is: Have we heard anything more about the the rescue of the Israeli soldier Oriya Megiddish? Do we know anything? You know, it was obviously that so happened, we, yeah. and then it just kind of went quiet. It did go quiet, and for obvious reasons, because she's obviously in possession of certain very, very critical information which the security services are using, and, and they have confirmed that a lot of what she has told them has been very useful in their ability to try somehow to track down the other hostages who are being held in Gaza. But there were there were some details that were revealed the other evening um, by um, one of Israel's most famous political commentators, Amit Segel, who um, is a TV commentator and, and, and often quoted, and he revealed some information, and apparently um, what he said about Ori Megiddish was that she was held in the Al-Shati refugee camp, which apparently is not too far from the Shifa hospital. We know that the Shifa hospital is where the command control center of Hamas is located under the ground. So she apparently was held in the refugee camp, which is not too far from there. And she was rescued from a residential apartment and not from a tunnel. Now, when you say a residential apartment and you say a refugee camp, the two don't kind of sound like they belong together. Um, but this is the situation with the so-called refugee camps, because these are permanent refugee camps that have been in existence for 70 or 80 years. And, of course, they have residential apartments and homes mm. like what you would in call, call in other parts of the world a neighborhood, not necessarily a refugee camp. But it, of course, serves the purpose to continue to call these locations refugee camps, even though, in theory, they don't look anything particularly like a refugee camp or like, or like we would imagine a refugee camp looks like. But apparently that's where she was held in this residential apartment and apparently during the time that she was rescued there were actually two terrorists who were with her who were eliminated by the IDF during the process of her rescue. Um, there is not a great deal more that is being said about what happened during her time in captivity and how that rescue took place because as I said before I think that the um, intelligence are using the information that she has and apparently she has been very useful in giving them information um, so she's been trying to explain to the intelligence what the modus operandi has been at least on those who held her in captivity um, in order to try to see whether something similar can be determined by some of the other hostages who are being held and just to remind listeners, the Israeli government position regarding the hostages is there will be no let up of the current battle, no let up. There will be no ceasefire. There will not even be more than just a momentary pause until the hostages are freed. And I think that that's exactly the right position for the Israeli government to take because we are currently fighting not only to destroy the infrastructure, but perhaps more importantly, for the release of those hostages. So many of them vulnerable people, many of them with illnesses which are not currently being medicated, young children, old people. This is not a situation that is tolerable in any possible constellation. And so currently the focus has to be on making sure that the hostages are freed. Absolutely right. Anthony Rach, thank you as always. It is 8 o'clock. We'll catch Anthony for the Israel Report tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands.
Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Peace.